The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. take some notes. I want to talk to you today about something God's been stirring in my heart for a while now and really a lot over sabbatical. I want to talk to you about what it takes to go deep today. Somebody say, we're going deep. deep. Uh, Give the person beside you a little fist bump and let them know, hey, we're going deep today. If you're watching online, those of you watching online, hey, greet everybody. Would you greet these people that are online with us today? All right. We're glad to have you. Hey, go ahead and type in the, in the little comment section, I'm going deep today. Let everybody know you're going deep. Get on, your, get on your phone, Facebook, check in, let people know. I'm at church and we're going deep today, this Sunday. And as you do that, I'm going to pray over you. Lord, thank you for this church. God, I'm so grateful. I missed it and I'm grateful to be back. Grateful to get to worship with all these incredible people. Thank you for what you're doing here. And as we open up your word today, uh, we, we thank you that the author of this word resides in the room And we ask that you would speak to us today, that you would educate us today, help us to get better. We don't want to leave the way we came in today. That's not why we're here. We came to grow. We came to improve. We know there's a world out there that needs us to. And so, Lord, we ask you through your word to speak life and healing and direction and peace and wisdom to us today. We pray that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened today as we look to your word, that we we would be of the mind of Christ And we'll be able to to bring the mind of Christ and the heart and the love of Christ to the world around us. We thank you for these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Somebody say, we're going deep. We're going deep. deep. You know, deep, typically, when you talk about deep, deep is typically, like, when it's used as a descriptive word, a lot of times it's positive. Like, not always, but a lot of times when you talk about something's deep, that's a positive statement. For example, in a relationship, you talk about a relationship, if you have a deep relationship... It's a good relationship, right? It's a mutually beneficial relationship if it's a deep relationship. In a deep relationship, you can go to some places, some deep places with people that maybe you can't go with everybody else. In fact, what do we say when we don't have that kind of relationship with somebody? We say it's a surfacey relationship. When you know somebody, but you don't really know them that well, you know of them, they're an acquaintance, but it's not like, it's not deep. It's like, yeah, I know them, but it's, it's just kind of surfacey. We don't really get into... The deep things. But deep is good in relationships. We want deep, don't we? We want to have deep relationships. I hope you want to have a deep relationship with your spouse. I hope you want to go to those deep places. I hope with your kids you want to go to the deep places with them. Take them to the deep places. I hope that you want to have a deep relationship with God. Where you have a greater understanding of the deep meaning. And understanding the deep purpose that God has for your life. Deep is considered good when, it, when we talk about relationships. But beyond that, too, like things like intelligence. You know, you talk about a person, that guy's deep. That girl, she's pretty deep. That means that they, you know, they're, they're smart. Like they've got some stuff that's like you kind of go, you got to think about it for a little bit. Or you say, that person over there, they're a deep well. It means there's a lot in them. Maybe not everything is just out there for you to see, but when you really get to know them, you discover some of the deep things that they have inside of them. When someone does something brave or heroic, we talk about how they were able to dig deep, right? They dug deep and they accomplished something great. When somebody rests really good, what do we say? You had deep sleep. Uh, when we talk about like colors, you know, that's a vibrant color. It's a deep color. In fact, in, 
in the in the the world of TV and movies today, what they want you want to be able to accomplish with a screen is you want to have the deep black because the the darker and the deeper the black can be on a screen, the sharper the image can be. Deep is considered good. When you talk about someone, the, the things that have profound meaning, we talk about the deep meaning of something. When you talk about uh, the, the deep impact, you're talking about having significant impact. When you talk about the deep end of the pool, you're talking about mature things. A few years ago, there was a singer named Adele. She wrote a song, or she didn't write it, but she sang a song called Rolling in the Deep. You guys remember that song? It's pretty good. Pretty good song. Pretty good vocal on that song. I wouldn't kick her off the new song stage. Some of you know that song. You sang that song, but you got no idea what rolling in the deep means. I know I did. I was singing it. I'm rolling, rolling. You know, you get in your car and you think you sound like her, but you don't. You don't at all. Have you ever done that before? You're listening to a song and you got it cranked up and then just turn it down and keep singing. And you're like, oh no, I'm horrible. Even if you're good, sometimes you're horrible. But she talked about rolling in the deep. You know what rolling in the deep means? This is what it means. Someone always has your back, and you're never on your own. That's rolling in the deep. Somebody could have had that with Adele, but they blew it. <laughs> so they don't get to have that now. Could have had it all. Rolling in the deep. She played it. Played it. Deep is good. Here's my point. Deep is good. But, but so often, here's the thing, we sabotage our ability to experience the deep because of the pace by which we live our life. See, one of the, the, the greatest enemy of deep is fast. If you're taking notes, jot that down this morning. The enemy of deep is fast. And we live in a fast-paced world, don't we? And because sometimes we get to moving so fast, we miss out on being able to have that deep connection with the people we love. Being able to have a deep understanding of what God wants to do in our life, being able to have a deep relationship with the creator of heaven and earth. We miss out because we're moving so darn fast. Yeah. Years ago when Sarah and I first got married, um, we worked at two different you know, jobs. We worked at different places. Uh, but we both had an hour-long lunch every day. And in order to fill that, you know, we're newly married. We want to get together, hang out. So we would meet up for lunch. And it just so happened that her parents' house was kind of a good midway point for us to meet up to have lunch. So we would go to her parents' house, and we would have our lunch. She had a key to their, their house. Her parents were both working at this time. So we had the run of the place. And so we'd go in there, and we'd warm up our macaroni and cheese and make our little sandwiches and have lunch. And a lot of times we'd turn on the TV and just kind of see what was on and watch whatever was on TV. Now, this is like 16, 17 years ago. And 16, 17 years ago, like on demand wasn't like a thing like it is today. Like if you had a Netflix account those years ago, like you got discs in the mail. Like that's how it was. So when you turn on the TV at, you know, 11.45, 12.30, somewhere in there, it was just whatever's on. And a lot of times there wasn't a whole lot on. Like we'd be watching... You know, Boy Meets World, like TJI Friday stuff that Sarah watched when she was in, in junior high, reruns. We're watching that. And we just watch it and eat our mac and cheese. And sometimes on ESPN, I'd flip over to ESPN, and they'd have, you know, this is like Tuesday afternoon TV, and they'd have these powerboat races on. You guys ever seen a powerboat race before? It's awesome. It's crazy. So here's how a powerboat race works. You know, a boat typically like sits in the water, and a big portion of the boat is under the water, 
and part of the boat's out of the water, right? And the boat kind of trudges through the water. Well, in powerboat racing, what they're trying to do is kind of skim across the top of the water. Like, they don't want to be sunk down in the water. They want to kind of strike this balance between touching the water and not touching the water because water equals, equals resistance, so they're trying to strike this balance of skimming and also not flying up into the air and crashing and, and crashing really bad. And that's why I used to watch it. Because inevitably, someone was going to lose control trying to skim at this crazy rate. Something was going to happen. They were going to lose control. And that boat was going to crash. And great was its fall. Like it was going to be insane. Like the boat, these boats are made out of like paper. So when they crash, they just explode. And you'd be watching it going, how is this guy alive? And sure enough, he'd come out of the water going, good. <laughs> now I tell you that because I think in a way this week as I was thinking about this, I was reminded of that. And I think that's how some of us are living our life. We're going through life skimming, and, and we're trying to keep pace with this, you know, rat race pace of the world, trying to move through life really quickly, and when we're right on the, the cusp of disaster, and we don't even know it, we're heading towards just the smallest thing, putting us over the edge and causing a huge crash, and beyond that, we're missing out on the deep. We're missing out on being able to have that deep connection with that person that we said, hey, I do. Let's walk in covenant together. Yeah. We're missing out on being able to, to have deep conversation and leave a deep impact in the next generation and those little children that God has placed in our hands to shape and to release as an arrow into this world to do damage to the kingdom of darkness. We miss out on that because we're moving so fast. We miss out in, on, on a relationship with God and understanding the deep purpose He's called us to. We miss out on opportunities God places before us to reach over to that person and say a word that could change their life forever. Minister hope and healing to a broken, hurting world. Why? Because we're skimming. We're rushing through life, trying to move as quickly as possible. You know something interesting? You know in the Bible, God never tells us to hurry up. God's ne word never says, hurry up. It's not in the Bible. In fact, in the Bible, what you discover is over and over again, the word of God speaks to the dangers of living a hurried life. Look at these verses with me. Proverbs 19.2 says, a person in a hurry makes mistakes. Proverbs 21.5 says, careful planning puts you ahead in the long run. Hurry and scurry puts you further behind. We think we're moving further ahead by hurrying, but we're not. God's word says you're actually going backwards. You're moving further and further behind. Jeremiah 2, 25. I'd encourage you to really make a note of this verse this week. And I want you to kind of wrestle this verse to the ground a little bit. Have some conversations about this verse with the Holy Spirit this week. Because Jeremiah, the prophet of God, who's speaking on behalf of God, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is speaking about the dangers of hurry. And he asks some questions I think we need to ask ourselves. He says, slow down. Take a deep breath. What's the hurry? Why wear yourself out? Look at this. Just what are you after anyways? That's a really good question. What are you really after? Because if you're after the deep connection, if you're after the deep purpose, if you're after the deep impact, God's word says you ain't going to get it by moving at this fast, crazy pace. Somebody said we're going deep. I was reminded this week as I was thinking about this in Matthew 7 where Jesus is talking about what you build your life upon. Remember this? He talks about the person who builds the house on the rock. 
The house is a picture of our life, and the rock is a picture of the Word of God. And he says when a person builds their life on the Word of God, on the principles of God, on the ideas of what God's Word says, that that person, when the storms of life come, and listen, storms are going to come. Just because you got saved doesn't mean everything's going to be rosy. Doesn't mean everything's going to be perfect. There's going to be things that rise up and try to knock you down. There is a real enemy in this world that wants to steal, kill, and destroy you, and he's going to try to do it. And so when the storms come, Jesus says that the house, the life that's built on his word can stand. It won't crumble. But the, the house that's built on the sand, sand is a picture of the way of the world. So he says the life that's just built on the way of the world, the, the, the life that is built on the way the world is doing stuff, when the storm comes, when the wave comes, that life that's skimming, when that little wave comes, it sends that skimming life flying into the air towards disaster. And I can tell you as a pastor, I've seen it over and over again. I've had conversations with people, and they say, man, I was hurrying, and, and this opportunity arose. This thing happened, and, and because we're, we're moving at such a fast pace, these small opportunities end up wrecking our life. we got to go deep, right? we got to slow down. Jesus says this about the house that's built on the sand. He says, great and complete was its fall. I came to warn you today, some of you, you need to slow down because if you don't, great and complete is going to be a fall in your life. And you're going to lose a lot of what you say you value. You're going to lose it if you don't heed the word of the Lord. The, word, the way the world is fast. It's all day, er day, let's go. But it's leading you towards disaster. So listen, deep living requires slowing down. Deep living requires slowing down. You know, Jesus didn't live a hurried life. You read the, about Jesus' life, you don't see him moving frantically through life. Jesus was on mission. I mean, he was definitely on mission. But in the middle of his mission, he was present in whatever circumstance he found himself in. He was present with the people that were across from him. In every situation. In fact, there, there's, there's stories in the Bible where you find Jesus in situations where you're going, man, he should be in more of a hurry than he is here. But he was not. So, so let me show you some of these. I told you to turn there. Mark chapter 22, or Mark chapter 5, verse 22. It says, one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came. And when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So this guy's got a need, right? He's got a daughter. He loves his daughter. And she's dying. She's sick. Something's wrong. So he comes to Jesus because he knows if Jesus can just show up on the scene, Jesus can, can do something about this. He can change it. He's got faith in Jesus. So Jesus went with him. Look at this. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. Verse 27. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. So listen, this lady's got faith to receive healing from Jesus too. And she needs Jesus. She's in a desperate situation. She needs a touch from Jesus. So she moves based on her faith to reach out and touch the hem of his garment so she can receive healing. Immediately, verse 29, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around to the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? Now, I've read this story many times. But I've never really thought of it from the perspective of Jairus in this moment. 
Jesus is moving towards his daughter. He knows if Jesus can get there, he's in a desperate situation, but if Jesus can get there, he can heal my daughter. And so I'm sure when Jesus stops in this moment and is going, who touched my clothes? Jairus is going, who cares? <laughs> like, my daughter's sick, remember? What, like, what are we doing here? Like, there's all these people around you. We know that's true because that's what the disciples say in the next verse. You see the people crowding against you, his disciple answered, and yet you can ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. In other words, Jesus wasn't moved by maybe the hurry. Like these guys maybe know, like, hey, Jesus, shouldn't we get over here to Jairus? Like Jairus, we're, we're on mission here. What are you doing to stop in this moment? But listen, Jesus, yes, he was on mission to get to Jairus, but he was also present in the moment to be there for the woman who needed what Jairus' daughter needed too, a touch from Jesus. Jesus is present. He's on mission, but he's present. He's in the moment. He's not so focused on where he's got to go that he's not where he is. Are you tracking with me this morning? Verse 33, Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at Jesus' feet, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, I am late for a very important date. What are you doing? Don't you know I'm going to heal this person over here who needs a touch from me, and you're wasting my time? How dare you make, make healing come out of me? He didn't say that, does he? What does he say? He says, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Now, if you know the story, you know that he goes on to heal and, and revive the life of Jairus' daughter. But what I want you to see is Jesus wasn't hurried in this moment. Even though he was on mission, he was on mission as he went on mission. And he was present to the needs of the people around him. Here's another story. John 11 now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Verse 3, so the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. So this is someone that Jesus cares about, someone that Jesus knows personally, in relationship with, in the world. He says, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. There he is. He cares about them. He loves them. So what does he do? So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he runs outside. He jumps on the fastest horse he can find. He runs to his side so that he can help deliver Lazarus from this sickness. Is that what it says? No. He loves him. So what does he do? He stayed where he was for two more days. Now, we don't really know. It doesn't say in this verse like what he was doing. But I'm guessing that there was still stuff for him to do where he was. That's why he stayed. But, but here he is. Like, I mean, imagine this. I think sometimes we miss this. Like, imagine somebody comes up to you and they tell you about someone that you love, that you care about. And, and when they tell him that, he, that he's sick, like he knows that he's dying. Like this is bad. And they're like, hey, you know, Jimmy's sick. He's dying. He's almost gone. And you're like, oh, man, I love him. I'll be there later. <laughs> but Jesus didn't run at the pace that everybody thought he would. Jesus moved precisely. He stayed in the moment. He was present to the people around him. You see this in story after story of the life of Jesus. He was present in the moment. He was attentive to the needs of people. He was present with God the Father. He broke away from everything to, to be present with God. He was present with himself. He, he recognized where, where he, when he needed to get refreshing, when he needed his soul to rest. He was attentive. He asked questions of people, and he's Jesus. 
He was attentive to the beauty of the creation that he created. He's saying stuff like, hey, look at the birds of the air. Look at the flowers of the field. This is Jesus. He's present with, with that prostitute and, and, and talks with her. He's present with a child. He, he's present. He's in the moment. You don't see Jesus running around with his disciples going, guys, we got to get going here. We got a lot to do. Man, I got I to gotta walk on water and fish have to be multiplied. And then, you know, I got to pull a coin out of a fish. And we got we to gotta go. Like, Peter, what, what are you talking about? Shut up. Let's roll, guys. Come on. Let's go. You don't see that. You see a Jesus who is present to the people he cares about. Listen, Jesus put on display a non-hurried, present way of living. And listen, we are called to look like that. We're disciples. We're Christ followers, Christians. We're supposed to look like Jesus. And if you think about the life of Jesus, through his life, he was able to roll in the deep. Jesus, through his life, had, was able to make a deep impact that touches us at the deepest need of our life, our eternal existence. That's what Jesus did. In fact, what you see in the life of Jesus is he even, there's a story where he speaks to the danger of living the hurried life. It's the story of Mary and Martha. Luke chapter 10, verse 38 says this. As Jesus and his disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary, look at this, sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted. Martha was distracted. Now that, that word distracted there means Martha's attention was drawn away by the burden of her duties. So here's Martha. She's got Jesus in her house and Martha's thinking, okay, I got to make this look perfect. Like I, I got to get this thing Pinterest ready. I got I to gotta post about this. So this has got to be right. So, you know, we got to get everything together, get this all worked out exactly the way it's supposed to be. So she's caught up in the task and she's missing out on Jesus. She comes to Jesus and she said to him, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. He says, there's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it and it will not be taken away from her. See, Jesus came to the house of Mary and Martha, not so they could serve him a perfect meal. He came to the house of Mary and Martha so he could be present with them. And Mary was experiencing that, but Martha was missing out. And I wonder how often in life we miss out because we're so busy in the details. We miss out on being present with the people God's placed around us. And with God himself. We're so busy trying to hurry and scurry through life that we miss out. And we also end up just looking like everybody else in the world. Listen, Jesus is calling us, his people, to slow down and go deep. In a world where everybody's skimming, deep looks really good. Deep looks really good. In a world where everybody's skimming, deep sounds really good. Yeah. Wanting deep is what everybody wants, but our pace sabotages it. So it's, as a people, as God's people, we got to slow down. Because this hurry, this busyness, this frantic pace, 
it's keeping us from having the deep connection that God wants to have with us, that God's called us to walk in with the people we love. It's keeping us from walking in the deep meaning. It's keeping us from the deep purpose. It's even keeping us from really understanding ourself. And we're not even really who we're supposed to be. The world's fast, isn't it? But you know, it hasn't always been like this. There was a time in the world when the world kind of ran by the pace by which God created. And when God created the world, he created it to be seasonal. And so there's seasons. And, and years ago, people used to live by this thing called the sun. <laughs> and when the sun came up, people got up and they would work. And when the sun went down, people stopped. Because when it got dark, you couldn't see anymore. You didn't have it wasn't you got you didn't have Netflix you didn't have all this stuff and so you were bored so I was like hey I guess I guess I'll go to bed so did you know that years ago the average person used to sleep eleven hours a night you know how much we sleep now on average seven hours a night some of you are like man I used to live a long time ago that would have been great <laughs> they worked hard and they rested well. And then, and then so then the clock came out in the 1300s and people quit living by the seasons and by the sun and they started living by this thing that was ticking and it started to determine the rhythm of how people live their life. And then Thomas Edison came along and he harnessed electricity to invent the light bulb and now when it got dark, it didn't have to be dark. You could flip on a light and now because you can flip on a light, you could, you could keep going and you could try to get ahead of that other person and work a little bit harder and kind of keep trucking. And so people did that. And then time goes on, and in 2007, Steve Jobs comes along, and he says, hey, check this out. And here's the iPhone, and we enter into the digital age. And now everything is right there at our fingertips. And so now that's what our fingertips do most of the day. In fact, 2,316 times a day, we're touching our iPhones. And we think it's making us better, but statistics tell us it's actually making us dumber. Did you know that the average person today has, has a shorter attention span than a, than a goldfish? <laughs> that thing? We can't, even, we can't even think longer than a goldfish. I mean, just, just pay attention to it sometime. It's, it's like reflexive. Like you can't sit at a stoplight without going, whoa. In a line at the grocery store, we're looking for the shortest one, and if we have to wait at all, what are we doing? Mm. It's just how we are today. And so we, we're, 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 there's a whole generation of people that are coming up that don't know how to think. They don't know how to be creative. Used to, to be good at art, you had to be good at art. Now you can slap a filter on it, and you look pretty good. <laughs> like things are, are shifting and changing, and people don't know how to think. They don't know how to use this muscle. We just Google everything. And it's costing us. Now listen, I'm not trying to judge anybody, but I promise you. The other night, me and Sarah were out on a date night, and this family came in, and it was a, a father and a mother and their two daughters, and they walked into the restaurant, and seriously, we were talking about it while we were there. We are like, I don't want to judge them. We don't know what they've been doing today. But they walk in, and they sit down, and they're all just buried in their phones. And like, I mean, it was sad. Like, we're watching, it was like, this is so sad. They're just looking at their phone the whole time, and then the waiter comes, and they break away to order, and then they go back to their phone. And then the food comes, and they, they break away. They pray, and then they go back to eating their food with one hand and on their phone with the other. And, and again, I'm not trying to judge them. I don't know. Maybe they were in a car all day, and they just needed a break from each other. Okay, I get it. 
But I'm also looking, and I can kind of see from my angle, like what the two teenage daughters are looking at, and it's TikToks and Instagram, and I'm just like, oh my gosh. Like, this is our life, people. Like, for those parents, like, these are your daughters. These are your teenage daughters. This is the time you have with them, and this is it. Is this how we want it to be? Do we as people want to be so connected to this thing that we can't break away to be present? To be present, to be attentive to the people that God's placed in our life? We got we to take some radical steps. Because if we're going to go deep, we're going to have to slow down. We're going to have to live a little bit differently. God's calling us to something more. Amen? We're going deep. So here's a question for you. I want you to wrestle with this question this week. If you're married, I want you to talk about this with your spouse. If you're dating someone, talk about this. If you're in a small group, I want to encourage you, talk about this in your small group. Here's the question for you. How is hurry hurting you? Let me submit some ways that I think hurry is hurting us. Hurry is hurting us in our relationships. Good relationships aren't built on speed. That's why the whole speed dating concept is so off. <laughs> like, don't, don't do that, guys. Okay? Like, if you're on a date, don't be like, hey, I would really like to try and knock this out in the next 30 minutes here if we could. <laughs> so can you kind of pick it up a little bit? That's not going to be a good date. There will not be a second date. <laughs> we don't build relationships on hurry. In fact, the Bible says this about our relationship with God in Psalm 46.10. It says, be still and know that I am God. We talk about helping people know God. We want that for you here at New Song Church. We want you to know Him. Not know of Him, but to actually walk in relationship with Him where you really know Him. One of the ways you come to know Him is you've got to be still. You've got to slow down. You've got to disconnect from the rat race. You've got to make room in your life where you pull away from the pace of the grind of the world so that you can connect with God in some silence and solitude. And it's in those moments that you come to know him in a greater way. And, and you know that to be true about your relationship with people. Hurry hurts us in our capacity to love others. In fact, it's interesting. 1 Corinthians uh, 14, I think it is. Is it 14 or 13? 13, where it talks about, it's the love chapter, where it talks about what love is. How does it start? Love is what? Love is patient. It's, not, it's no coincidence that it starts with patience. In other words, love moves slow sometimes. Love is willing to stick it out. Love is willing to fight a little bit longer. Love is willing to move at a pace that's maybe a little bit different than the pace of the world. Love is, is patient. Uh, there's a book called The Rhythm of Life where this guy Matthew Kelly talks about this idea of carefree timelessness. And he says that real relationships are built when we can move into that, that area where we are living with carefree timelessness, where we're, we're not concerned with the clock. We're just carefree in the moment with the person. That's where real relationships get strong. But it's really hard to get there if we're running through life at a frantic pace. But if we want to give love and experience love, we have to create room in our life for that carefree timelessness. And hurry hurts our capacity to experience that. Hurry hurts our ability to overcome temptation. Hurry creates appetites in us that the devil is more than happy to feed. Think about most of the time, the mistakes we make in sin are related to being in a hurry. 
we, we have sex before we're married because we're in a hurry. We want it our way. We look at pornography because we have sexual desires and we don't want to have to wait on something or do this the right way, so we do it our way. We'll hurry. We cheat. We steal because we're in a hurry. We want, we want it on our terms. And so what we do is sometimes there's things that are actually godly desires, but we want them in ungodly ways. And the enemy is happy to come along and say, yeah, you can have it. You can have it right now. You can step outside of God's plan, have it right now. And so what happens is we create in ourselves an appetite to have things on our terms quickly. And that appetite keeps us from being able to overcome sin and put to death some of the sin that kill, that's killing us. But when, you're, when you choose to say, no, I'm going to do things God's way, and I'm going to be patient, and I'm going to wait on the Lord, and I'm going to follow His plan, we create in ourselves a strength that enables us when temptation comes to say no. But if you don't, if you don't do things God's way, you're going to fall because you're skimming, and the wave overturns you and causes a crash. Hurry hurts our ability to overcome temptation. Hurry hurts our empathy. You know, a hurried life is very numb to the injustices of the world around it. We get so caught up in our lane. It's kind of like you're on a freeway and you're in the fast lane. And when you're in the fast lane, it's hard sometimes to look around and see what's going on around you, isn't it? And so there's things that are taking place in the world, stuff like Sex trafficking, racism, homelessness, abortion, things that break the heart of God, and we're just numb to it because it's not in our lane. I want you to know, like, that stuff breaks the heart of God. And if it doesn't break your heart or you're not thinking about it, you're not seeing some of these things and going, God, what can I do? You're moving too fast. You're too caught up in your lane and your way of doing things and you're missing out on God's higher purpose, his deeper purpose for your life. Here's the point. Your life matters and your life's pace matters because your life matters. So God's called us to have deep impact, but if we're going to do that, we're going to have to slow down. Well, Pastor Josh, the Bible says, though, that we're in a race. You know, we're, we're in a race and a race is fast. Yes, it does. But the Bible also says we're to run the race to win. And the race that you're in, understand this, it's not a sprint. It's a race that you're going to be in for the rest of your life. It's a marathon. But if you try to run a marathon like a sprinter, you're going to crash. You're not going to last long. You're going to fall along the side of the track. And some of you, you find yourself, because that's what you're doing, you run and then you fall on the side of the track and you have to try to put your life back together because you're trying to move at this pace. Instead of understanding in a marathon, you, there's pace to the race. Sometimes you move quickly, sometimes you pull back. You pay attention to yourself in a marathon. You pay attention to the people around you. You get refreshed throughout the marathon. Like this is how we're called to live our life. Can I get an amen? amen. Okay, so, so how do we do this? All right, let me get practical with you on some biblical principles that will help you to do this, to run this race the way God's called you to, to win, to, to go deep, to have that deep impact, to walk in deep purpose, to have those deep relationships that God's called us to. Here's the first thing you're going to have to do. Number one, take a day off every week. Take a day off every week. You say, Pastor Josh, I can't do that. You don't know what I got going on. Or, or maybe here's your argument. Well, I can't do that, Pastor Josh, because the devil doesn't take a day off. If the devil ain't taking a day off, I ain't taking a day off either. 
That is the stupidest <laughs> argument for not taking a day off. First of all, he's the devil. <laughs> so anytime you align the pattern of your life with the pattern of the prince of darkness... Two, just a reminder, he loses, okay? <laughs> so I'd encourage you, let's not pattern our life after the Prince of Darkness. Let's go after what God says to do. And here's what God establishes very early on. Six days on, one day off. That's the pattern God created. So as an American, most of us work five days a week. Here's what you do, five days of work, one day of side hustle or taking care of your home, and one day off. And in that day off, you disconnect. This is what the Bible says, Genesis 2-2. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation, so he rested from all his work. It does not go on to say because he was really tired. God didn't finish creation. He was like, oh my gosh, whoo, man, that took a lot out of me, Jesus, whoo. No, he didn't do that. You know why? Because he wasn't tired. God didn't rest on the seventh day because he was tired any more than he needed six days to create. He's God. All-powerful. He could have created the world in a microsecond if he wanted to. So why did he do it the way he did it? Why did he do this, this seven-day pattern? Here's why. Because he was establishing a pattern that we're to live our life by. And then he creates us and puts us into the world to be image bearers, to look like him. And so understand, you were created to, be, to operate under that pattern. And when you don't do it, you're moving out of your manufacturer settings. And that's not good. When you continue to operate a machine outside of its manufactured settings, eventually it's going to fall apart. And that's what happens to so many of us. We never break away. So God gives the Sabbath. He gives it. It's a gift. He says, remember it. It's not to take from you. It's to enrich you. It's a break from work. And it's a break for connection and relationship. It's a, it's, a, it's a moment in our week where we break away from the regular pattern of the world and we break for connection with God, connection with the relationships of the most important to us, and connection with ourself. So we can get refreshed. Ecclesiastes uh, 10 talks about this. It says, it says this. It says, using a dull axe requires great strength. And then it gives a, a profound statement to, the, to the, how you fix a dull axe. It says, so sharpen the blade. <laughs> That's the value of wisdom. It helps you succeed. Here's the point. In life, a lot of you guys are chopping away. We're chopping every day, chopping at our jobs, chopping to, to build something, chopping away, trying to, trying to get ahead, moving ahead, chopping in our marriages, chopping away with, with our kids, trying to make things better. And, but, but here's the thing. If you keep chopping, if you ever go out with an ax and you start chopping away, as you chop, the process of chopping dulls the blade. And so if you want to continue to move ahead with effectiveness, you can keep chopping until that thing's a nub and you're just beating on the side of a tree, or you can pull the ax away sharpen it, and then bring it back to the job with more effectiveness. This is what the Sabbath does. It's a moment where we pull, we pull away and we trust God to do something radical. And we say, God, we're, we're going to come to you. I'm going to believe that on my Sabbath day, this one day, you're going to sharpen me. So when I go back into my job, when I go back into the workforce, I am more effective than I would be if I just kept plowing away the way I've been going. 
So it's a gift. So that's what God says. Remember the Sabbath. So you got to take a day off every week. Here's the second thing. you got to watch your six. Watch your six. Now, military terms, watch your six means watch your back. And so, so here's what I mean by this. you got to look back at the six days and say, am I running at a pace that leads me to a seventh day of rest? See, God's got an economic cycle. And in his economic cycle, there's a gas pedal and there's a brake pedal. And if you've ever driven a car before, you know that in order to get anywhere, both of those need to be in operation. You get in a car and all you have is a gas pedal, you can go somewhere, but eventually you're going to crash. And if you get in a car and all you have is a brake pedal, you ain't going nowhere. Okay, so understand, God expects you. Listen, God has a gas pedal. I'm not saying today we don't work. We work hard. We work as under the Lord. God expects us to put our, our, our nose to, 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 to the work and get going. Our nose to work? I don't know where that came from. <laughs> he expects us to work and get going. Listen, millennials, I love you. Get a job. Some of you guys got to get a job. I talk to you sometimes. It's like, oh, my gosh. Working on a startup. Okay, cool. What's your startup? Well, we're gonna, I'm going to open a storefront and bake dog treats. Okay. Interesting. So what are you doing right now? Well, I'm just kind of collecting my thoughts. Okay, well, while you collect your thoughts, go work at Chick-fil-A, okay? Get to work. Work, 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 work. I get to work. God expects you to work. The Bible says you don't work, you don't eat. Okay, we've got to work. But God expects you to rest. Okay, so here's the idea, though. On the six days, we're going to work hard, but we're going to rest well. And it's not like God wants you to just hit the, hit the gas for six days and then slam on the brakes on the seventh. Because if you live that way, listen, you're not going to rest well on the seventh. So you've got to have rhythm to the six. There has to be a rhythm of rest and pace within your six. So, so let me ask you some questions. Like, have you created some boundaries to how you live the six days of work? Do you have a, like, for, for example, Sarah and I are really working on this right now. We're really trying to work to create boundaries for how we live our work life, our married life, our family life, so that there's clear lines of, of, of definition because we don't want to live frantically. So like for us, like we have a hard end of day. There's a moment when we're done with work. Our phones are, are set up in such a way that we don't get texts and alerts from people after a certain time. We're done. We put our phones away. We don't have them at the dinner table because we want to be attentive and in the moment with our children because we love them. And I don't want to send a message because, listen, everything I do preaches to my kids. My life is a message to my children. So I don't want the message that I give to my kids is them trying to tell me about their day. And I'm going, hey, hold on a second. I got to see. Okay, wait a minute. I got to go take care of this real quick. It can wait. Because I care about them. That's, my, that's one of my first ministries before my work. Just reminder of priorities. God, marriage, family, occupation. Is it, are you operating that way? So, so create some boundaries. Um, do, you, do you have lunch every day? Like, Do you have a lunch break? Or are you just kind of working through lunch? I'll grab something on the go. Just grab a bar. Go through the, the drive-thru real quick. Eat, eat as I go. Don't have time to stop. You need time to stop. Take a break. Let your mind rest. 
have a, have, if nothing more, take a moment and just pray and invite the Holy Spirit into your day. Lord, it's been a great morning. Would you be with me in the afternoon? We miss out because we're in such a hurry. Am I helping you this morning? Here's number three. Calendar for a purpose. Okay, so we're talking about kind of the, the day. You know, we have a day of rest. We're going to live our life in the week. We're going to have a week rhythm of rest. And then we're going to have a month. We're going to look at our month and, and look for rest in our month and make sure that the pace of our life isn't such that we can't go deep. So, so here's a question that, that I heard years ago that's kind of shaped the way I look at my monthly calendar and how I kind of plan. The question is this, does your calendar reflect who you want to be? Most people, our calendar reflects what we have to do, not who we want to be. So what ends up happening is we live our life based on what we have to do, and we end up looking like that instead of who do we want to be, we're going to prioritize that, and so we're going to look like that. We end up looking like something we want to, don't want to look at because the drive is the, the things that just have to be accomplished. Does your calendar reflect who you want to be, what you want to do? Does my calendar reflect who I want to be as a husband? If not, I, I need to work that in. Does my calendar reflect who I want to be as a father, who I want to be as a Christian, who God's called me to be as his disciple? Does my calendar reflect that? I heard this statement one time. It's so good. The thoughtful arrangement of your daily and weekly calendar is one of the holiest endeavors you can put your hand to. Every month we have the opportunity to sit down and really think through who do I want to be for the next month of my life. Ephesians 5 says it like this. It says, be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Verse 16, redeeming the time. That word redeeming the time there means to rescue or recover our time from waste, to improve it for great important purpose or to redeem it. Look at this, because the days are evil. Days are evil and they will steer you towards evil things if you're not being intentional with this. So, so what does that look like? That means that we take the time to say, okay, this is my calendar. What's the next month of my life going to look like? One of, the, one of the things that me and Sarah practice is the first Wednesday of every month, we have a calendar date. And we get together and we go out on a date and we sit down together and we have dinner somewhere. And during that date, it's kind of like our blunt you know, family staff meeting. And we pull out our calendars and we go through the things that I've got going on, that she's got going on this month and the next month for the next kind of three months. These are the things that are happening. And then we, we get done with talking about, okay, dentist appointment here and doctors here and basketball game here and all this stuff. And then we go, okay, now let's look at this. Who do we want to be? We want to have a great marriage. So where are we going to be together? And this looks like a busy month. So where are we going to find time? Maybe it's more than just a date night. Maybe this is like, we need, to, we need to go somewhere. We need to go get a hotel or do something a little bit extra because this is going to be a little bit more of a, of a busy month. And so we need some extra connection. Where are we going to connect with our kids? Some of it is reflexive. Every Friday, Friday family fun night. That's on the calendar. Every Friday night, that's, that's time with kids. You, you want to hang out with us on a Friday night? We're going to tell you no. We're going to tell you no most of the time because it's, it's, it's family time. That's, that's how it is. Um, but beyond that, too, we also make room in there so that I can connect with each of the kids individually, and so can Sarah. So I can connect with Gus, and I can connect with Sonny, and I can connect with Bo, just me one-on-one. -on -one. And listen, it's not always like a big old thing. Sometimes it's like, okay, I'm gonna, me and Sonny are going to run to Aukew. I'm going to get her a 
a little snack and we're just going to have some time just where I'm with her and she's with me. But we're going to try to build that in because, because this is who we want to be. We're going to create this space. We're going to have time in there for our small group. We're going to have time in there for people on our staff that need, you know, we want to get away from the office and spend time with them as, as couples. We're going to create this because we're, we're not just calendaring for what we have to do. We're calendaring for who we want to be. Are you tracking with me this morning? Here, here's the point. We're called to look different. God's called us to deeper things. He's called us to deep meaning, to deep impact, to deep relationships, to deep connection, to deep understanding. Because that's what Jesus did. That's who he was. We should look like him. He had a deep impact on this world and he's called us to have a deep impact. But we're never going to have that if we're skimming through life. We got to slow down because we're going to go deep. Somebody say, we're going deep. So here's my encouragement to you. I, I, I hope... I hope that this message just stirs some conversation. Really, I do. I hope there's a lot of conversations that take place this week where you talk about some things. I want the Holy Spirit to stir up some stuff in you. That's, that's my drive is to get you inviting the Holy Spirit to say, Holy Spirit, where do I need to slow down? What do I need to change? Where am I missing out? Where am I not reflecting the image of God in my family, in my home, in my life? Where have I gotten so caught up in my thing that I'm missing out on the main thing? Where am I living like Martha? Let's get this Right. Amen. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? What's the Holy Spirit saying? Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.